Evening, everybody, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Soccer Scene with myself, Adrian Finnan, and our co-host, Noel O'Connor. I promoted you there, Noel, after a couple of years of service. I suppose it's about time, really, isn't it? It's time for promotion. You normally get one every year, but there you go. <laughs> uh, um, I suppose, look, Noel, we, we have uh, plenty to get through, obviously, as always, in terms of the, the League of Ireland First Division and Treaty United in particular being our our focus, um, and obviously it'll be the focus of everyone in the League of Ireland this week because the, the Premier Division is on a, a break week, um, an Ireland action obviously as well. So it's very busy on the on the soccer front. It's it's fair to say we'll start now with the last week's action for Treaty United. Treaty United drew two all with Atlone Town. It only begins to tell the story, now, doesn't it? Really, you have Treaty United going two 0 ahead, Atlone being reduced to ten men. Then Treaty have what looked like a stonewall penalty ruled out uh, or turned down, should I say, by Alan Patchell, and Atlone scored two goals. Um, and one of them being that literally with the last kick of the game. Uh, so, you know, considering the circumstances, it was probably devastating for Treaty, really. And you could tell by the body language of the players, it really shattered them. Yeah, look, it really was a really tough night at the very end. And I'm sure that, like, it's taken a few days to get over that one as well. Um, we spoke about it last week. You know, we were saying how important it was to keep a clean sheet. And in fairness to, to Treaty, I thought it was a more typical Treaty performance in the first half where thought that loan were bright and they've done what a lot of teams have done to Treaty this year, um, attack the, the wide areas and get the full get at the full backs and got a bit of joy, got some good crosses in the box, but didn't didn't convert those chances into scores. And I'm sure Treaty with the few weeks that they've had were very happy to get in um nil all at halftime. Yeah, absolutely. I've already mentioned it, Noel. And there was there was two big, I suppose, crawls in the nest of Treaty United after the the game. One was the Stephen Christopher penalty incident, which I felt myself was a penalty, which you know would have been a game changer. You'd imagine because three nil is is a mountain for ten men. Never whatever about two nil. Um, and then of course the big contentious uh, issue was the the added added time. Now look, we'll have two sides of the story. Some will say. You shouldn't be even if you'd had on another ten minutes. We shouldn't have been conceded against uh, against uh, ten men in injury time. That's that's one side of the argument. And I suppose the other side of the argument is a lot of people didn't uh, understand where uh, Alan Patchell got the extra couple of minutes from. Yeah, look, it all it all really happened in the second half. Treaty came out of the blocks really well. Um, looked like a different team in the second half. You know, they seemed to have a lot more confidence about themselves. Um. Particularly success, Erdogan, um, just getting on the ball a bit more and taking on the full back, created the first chance for you know for Ender Curran, which obviously was a contentious one for Atlone, but I think overall it was probably right. Uh, where the ball took a ricochet off off mm. the defender and broke to him, and he finished it really well. A nice shot, he kept it really hard and low, and you know as we said all the time, you know just what a lethal player he is in 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 the penalty box, and that's where you try to have him as 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 much as you can. And um, they kept on going, um, looked dangerous from set plays as well. And the second goal came from a corner and overhit one to the back post. I wasn't quite sure who headed it back. Uh, was it Lee Devitt or was it Anto O'Donnell? But, you know, I, you just see the movement of Ender Kern where he just drops back into a little pocket of space, takes the shot on early and finishes to the net. And at that stage, you know, you'll be saying things are looking really good now. 2-0 up even. This was even before the the red card. You know, you, you felt it. It was going to be their night. Absolutely, and I suppose no. Without we we don't talk about oh referees too often. We maybe mention a few decisions, but 
I suppose it's just noticeable because I do remember Alan Patrick, the first time he ever came to, to my attention was when uh, uh, 3D United supporters and I suppose players as well at the time were outraged about this sending off for Stephen Christopher against UCD uh, back in 2021 um, when the, in, the, in the playoff semi-final second leg in the bowl. Um, and then, of course, obviously, you know, it's built now after the, the match in, in Atlone as well. And I was just wondering, though, because I know Tommy Barrett referenced it afterwards that, you know, Stephen Christopher was the player at the centre of it again. Uh, like, he was at the centre of the penalty incident as well after being also at the incident in the bowl. And I was just wondering, you know, was there ever a time when you were managing at Limerick or when you were involved with Cork or, and even Wexford, like, was there ever, like, I suppose, a referee where you looked at it the week of a game and said, I, I really hope that we didn't have that referee? And does that fester inside a camp a little? Um, look, there probably was cases of it. I think I was more bothered about the board officials, in fairness, than, than the referees. There was one or two of them who seemed to really like sending me off. But uh, um, I, I think it's it's something that you shouldn't get bogged down in. Like, I do agree with anyone who wants to say it. I think this guy is a very poor referee. He makes a lot of poor decisions. I'm not sure was he involved in that Shelburne game when did Mark Walsh... Uh, Take a late a late elbow from Michael O'Connor, and he was. I, I'm open to correction I on think that. He was as well, and I think that's where it did start, you know. And then he gave uh, Michael O'Connor a yellow card. I think Mark Walsh missed six or eight weeks um, after that game, you know. But uh, I was looking at some of the decisions even before the penalty. I, I thought the build up to the the corner that Treaty scored. I thought success had barged over a defender on the edge of the box, and I was expecting a free to loan, and then he gave a free to Treaty. And I, I'm not sure if this happened in injury time or just before it, but there was a, a head injury to an at-lone player. Um, it wasn't a malicious one. I think that Ben O'Reardon might have caught someone with his arm um, on the head and uh, he gave the free out to Treaty. Um, I think anyone would say this. I didn't see, can't remember the first yellow card for, for the at-lone player that was sent off with the second one. To me, he looked unsighted. His eye was on the ball. Hmm. Um, the treaty player came in, you know, from an angle at, at the last second, and he caught him. And I thought it was a really harsh um, second yellow, particularly for a red. Um, and I, I think do it's fair to say, Noel, as well, really, that you're um, or you're right there in terms of it, it did seem to be that loan supporters seem to be irate a lot of the time as well with with the officiating and the night. Yeah, you know, you've got a bad referee when four teams are really <laughs> irate with his performance, and I think. Um, I used to think that, you know, there was some kind of vendetta going on or that the, the referee possibly could be a cheat. And then I just realised that it wasn't he wasn't a cheat at all. He was just useless. And I think, in fairness to this guy, he's he's right up there with some of the worst referees that, that we've seen in the league in the last 20 years. But I, 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 I'd be low to go down the path of talking about the referee too much. The bottom line is, you know, despite what's happened in the last few weeks, and maybe they're a little bit short of confidence still, Treaty were 2-0 were up in the driving seat hmm. away to Atlone and at, at Lone were down to 10 men. And, uh, you know, it was within their own control to actually win the game and they just failed to to do the right things maybe in the last 15 or 20, 20 minutes to make sure that that happened. And you think, Noel, as well, that that is maybe well, symptom, symptomatic of the, the way the season has went so far because Treaty, you know, you're coming in, you're in, a, I suppose, a different position this season anyway where you're winning 2-0 and um, you're desperate to get off the mark with, with three points and they have a point, uh, a couple of points, sorry, uh, but now they have, but you, know, you want to get to three points, maybe you start, I suppose, but there's a bit of panic sets in. Have you ever seen that, I suppose, yourself as well, where, you know, you're, you're 
teams are so desperate that they, you know, maybe there's rush of bloods to the head, maybe more so than anything else. I just felt that they they didn't manage the the game after they went 2-0 up. I remember just thinking to myself when I was watching it, I made out that it would have been four or five minutes of injury time in the match and uh, they took the ball into the corner or or went to take a short corner and I, I made out it was about 30 minutes to go. And in, in my head, and look, I, I've been in that situation where we might be winning by a goal or two goals and I, I always just say, no, it's too early. It's too early to do that. There was a lot of football to be played. You know, they were playing against a team that were down to 10 men and they needed to keep playing, keep playing on, on, on the front foot, particularly a couple of corners they got where they might have put one or two in the box, particularly after scoring um, from one already and having an extra man on, 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 on the pitch. I felt that it probably wasn't the right thing to do. Um, in terms of the goals, I thought, you know, some of the defending was really bad, uh, even from the Athlone penalty area where I think, you know, they failed to block even block a clearance or get their, you know, just put their body on the line and, and stop it and make sure that most of the play in that period of time is in the Athlone half and that you don't let them out that easy. And I suppose the worrying thing about it uh, for me, and I think we've touched on it, you you know, and there seems to be a bit of a pattern, you know, a late goal against Bray. I know they didn't concede a late goal in Kerry, but it was a match that they played 10 men as well. And we felt that they should have got a goal or two themselves maybe in the last 20 mm-hmm. minutes and the nearest team to score was Kerry, then you've, you know, three late goals, latest goals um, playing Cove, and now you've a couple of late goals um, against Athlone. So whether it's a psychological thing or, or a, a fitness thing, it's often difficult to know, but they're certainly not finishing games well. Um, and and there is a pattern there, and it's probably something that they really need to think about. Absolutely, I'm sure it's at the forefront of, of the management mind. Um, Noel, you mentioned obviously two goals, two well-taken goals by by Enda Kern. That's three goals for him in the season. The problem we have, Noel, is um, you know we we were worried at the start of the season whether Enda would be able to keep up his form. The problem is he has done that, but we're probably on the verge of being way too overlined on. He's the only player to score. Yeah, and that certainly is a worry. Like, there's no doubt about it, and that's why you know it was a bit baffling to say that they didn't try to press home their advantage because they had got a couple of corners and you know we we spoke about the likes of Anto Donald, you know, and 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 how good he is in those situations. And he looks to me like a guy that's he's made a couple of mistakes and maybe the confidence is, you know, is a little bit low. And and for him to score a goal, you know, in that game or any game at this stage would be a real boost to himself and would probably help to improve his uh his overall performance. But outside that Again, you know, we're looking at success and while he's done quite well, you know, he's in a position where we expect him to get goals. I know that Dean George wasn't available, but they certainly need to look at other parts of of, of, of the field for goals, the likes of Conor Barry, probably Stephen Christopher. It's probably a bit soon to, um, you know, to talk about Alec Byrne, but hopefully he can contribute. And in fairness to Lee Devitt, when he's not playing left full, as I said, he he's, he's inclined to get a couple of chances to score, maybe not in every game, but certainly every... Every couple of games, uh, he pops up on the edge of the box, you know, giving himself a decent chance to score. Yeah, certainly. And last night, Noel, there was, there was more disappointment, uh, maybe on a, a lesser scale. But, you know, a, a Munster Senior Cup competition, nonetheless, which, you know, you had a sweet victory against Cove Ramblers in, in, in 2006. 
uh, with Limerick FC. Um, and I know that you've always mentioned it being, you know, the same as a Monster Hurling title. So why, why would people look down their noses at it? Um, I obviously both Treaty and Cove, considering the busy schedule, were never going to play a full strength sides uh, last night. They were going to try and blood uh, younger players as well, which made it a very open game as it turned out and all. Um, you know, some of the defending from, from both sides wasn't particularly good. Connor Drynan was quite good for Cove. Um, and bright spark, I suppose, for Treaty. A couple of bright sparks, to be fair. They played a lot of their younger players. Uh, Josh Quinlevin, Scott Kirkland, Fionn Darty, um, all played as well. Um, uh, Darren Oenko, you'd be very familiar with, uh, as you know before, from, from the Kennedy Cup uh, a few years ago now. Um, also played and scored uh, for Treaty, which was one of the positive notes. And Colin Kelly with a very well-taken goal as well. And considering injuries that are probably mounting in that forward area and all as well, we'll likely see Colin Kelly get more of a chance in, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, probably, and it'll be no harm. And, you know, it's it's something that we've, we've certainly touched on here. Um, just, you know, overall, in terms of what the treaty project is, I mean, I, I think we should see a few more. I, I've name-checked Darno Anko myself um, a few times. I think he's a, he's a decent defender. I haven't seen him obviously play for a couple of years. But um, he was certainly a guy that you 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 could coach. There was a bit of talk around the 2019 Kennedy Cup uh, coaching staff this morning about the bit of work that that we did in terms of um, organising from set plays. And in fairness to Darren, he was one of them that took it on board. I know he he scored in the in the final, as in the secondary final uh, against Cork for the Limerick District League from a header from a wide free kick. So um, look, these things are important. Um, he he got his name in lights, and uh, I think that we should see a bit more of him now in the next few weeks and see if he can step up to the next level. Because uh, as I mentioned, the injuries are mounting up, Noel, for Treaty, whether that's short term, medium term, or long term. I haven't even seen Denzel Fernandez. I'd actually forgotten about him until someone had said it to me at Chapman Park last night during the game because he hasn't played at all. But he's still on the books with Treaty United. Um, Mark Ludden is the pressing concern. Tommy Barrett did mention afterwards to Jason Shanahan, the Treaty United media officer, that uh, Mark Ludden had a scan last week, which I believe is on his knee. So that's a testing weight, but that doesn't sound uh, very promising for Mark Ludden. Um, which, which would be loss, obviously, for Treaty. Then you have Dean George, who could be another couple of weeks out. Willie Armshaw struggling. And success, Erdogan was left out of the game against Cove, although he is expected to you know, push and hard to be available for Waterford. So you will, the squad is going to be stretched, Noel, so some of those players are going to be getting minutes. Yeah, look, it's probably overall a good thing. You know, you'd probably look at it and say, well, you know, the, the more senior guys have been on for the first three or four games and haven't really set the world on fire. So, look, if these guys get a chance, I, I always said it, you might throw three or four in. And, look, if one of them or two of them take to it like a duck to water, well, then it's, you know, it's success. And I'm sure that one or two of them will kind of confound us, if you like, and, and play above themselves and, and become fixtures in the team. And that's something that, that, that you have to do. And it is going to be a long season. And, you know, if, if, if we're kind of wondering about the fitness of the team, then certainly you're probably more more prone to injury as well. So that would kind of feed into the fact that we will see a few more of these guys in, in, in the next few weeks. Yeah, left back could be a, a problem. In, not so much in, you know, Lee Deva can do a, a job in there, Noel, there's no doubt. I don't think Tommy Barrett will be too keen to you know, consistently leave, leave Lee Devitt there, especially if Mark Ludden is going to be long-term. So he is probably going to be looking for other options now. Fionn Doherty had looked fairly sharp, I have to say, in the first half, particularly for Treaty last night. 
we know it's going to be a huge step up for anyone that comes into, particularly if it's a younger player and all. But you also mentioned that maybe Darren Wanko might have the, the athleticism to, to fill in at left back if called upon to. Yeah, I think he would. And I think um, I was taught to someone and I, I always felt that it wasn't a bad idea. You know, I know he's a centre uh, centre back, but he was a left-sided centre back that we always would have maybe played a centre half, a younger centre half as a full back for a while until he got a bit of experience. Uh, I, and then check Paul Finucane, who actually started his League of Ireland career with Tommy Lynch as a left full before he moved in. And I know that I played Brian Buckley left full as well, um, you know, when he first joined joined the club. So it wouldn't be, you know, unheard of as such. Um, he is a fine athlete. Now we know he's a threat from set play as well. And, um, you know, it might give the team a bit more balance because I think that this team certainly needs maybe someone like Lee Dev in the middle of the pitch, you know, to do a bit of running around as well. And I think they might be the ideal partner for Alec Burton, hopefully, when he... Um, steps up. I thought he was quite prominent as well on Friday night in Ferriston. He did quite well and so did um, Conor Barry. Yeah, and I know a lot of those players were brought in the second half, Noel, as, as obviously Treaty tried to, to rescue the game, but Cove have marched on to the uh, Munster Senior Cup semi-final. Um, I know that another point after the game that Jason Shannon brought up to, to Tommy Barrett, actually, Noel, is one you've discussed as well uh, on the podcast. It's always been a, a talking point for the last 20 or 30 years, at least in Nimerick, uh, when things haven't been going well, is the you know, perceived, anyway, this season in particular, the perceived lack of, of local players, maybe in the first team squad or the first 11 um, with 3D United. I know we have a heavy Galway contingent for maybe the last 18 months. Um, and, and Tommy Barrett did say, and I know I had discussions with him before in the past about this. He said that he had approached local players during the off-season. Um, and his point was, I can't drag them through the door uh, of, of, the, of the ground as well. Now, I do have to say, in agreement with him, uh, Noel, and I felt this even at junior level, um, you know, maybe not talking about the really young lads now, but at junior level, and I know that they have approached a few junior players to, to come and play for 3D United, that maybe not just... No, the ambition. Like I feel, the ambition of players has definitely dropped. But also, obviously, other other factors in terms of work. I suppose. No, the one thing I will say is work um, commitments and family commitments have always been there in the past uh, for guys as well. You know, including in, in your time. Obviously, it hasn't changed since then. Uh, so I know a lot of people have been using that, but there does seem to be a lack of ambition locally. You no, know, as well as anything of you know, why would I bother going play with with 3D United and go around the country when I can just sit and, and be a big fish in a in a small pond. And I that was one thing that gripped me a bit is that I, I did agree with Tommy Barton that I have seen that and in with discussions with people I have seen that. I don't know if, if what's your thoughts on that. Yeah, well probably my thoughts are that are they're not the guys you want anyway. I mean mm. if that's if that's the attitude like this it, it, it's not the only game say we can't really say that there's anyone who, who prefer to play junior hurling than senior hurling or junior rugby than you know than senior rugby. Like the, I'm not sure who who he did approach. You know, um, obviously, you you need to approach a guy certainly with ambition. Like if if you're talking about a guy who's probably playing in junior football for four or five years, you know, it it's probably a bit late. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly the first time I was with him, like we, you know, it wasn't money that brought him to us, and uh, it was guys that had a bit of ambition and and the ones to get the chance. And I'm sure they're, you know, they're still around. Um, allied to the fact that now you have a kind of a you know a, a steady stream, or you should have 
with an under 19, under 17, under 15, you know, that's, that's something that wasn't around before. Be. So. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And they're the guys that, you know, it is it is the third year now of treaty. So even guys that came in three years ago in under 15s are now 18, shoving on 19. So there's no reason why there's a few of them. And I'm not even talking about the two under 17s teams and, and the under 19 teams that have gone through as well. Because I do see it myself, there is plenty of good players around. I'm obviously involved with the Kennedy Cup, and whilst there's eight or nine or ten players gone from last year's under-13 squad, I think we still have a decent enough team or squad to work with in, in the Kennedy Cup. So it's about finding the guys who actually want to commit and want to play. Um, I do remember Ray O'Halloran saying to me, my first time that I went to Limerick, and a lot of, say, the, the U team and the under-21 team moved up into the senior squad that year. And he said something remarkable to me. He said, uh, the great thing about you know these players is they haven't been exposed to junior football. So yeah. there's probably um, there's probably a, a real point in maybe looking inwards and making sure that the right players are coming through the academy and not being afraid to throw them in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, I suppose no matter how long we, we, we uh, talk about it, no matter how many opinions, it's always going to be a talking point, isn't it? And uh, in, in Limerick in particular, when things aren't going well, when things are, are going well, no one has anything to say, even if you have 11 Dublin players on the team, we've noticed that in the past as well. Uh, that, that seems to be a big um, that seems to be a big problem too, I suppose. But um, just to move on, Noel, as well, to this week's fixture uh, for 3D United. They have Waterford FC at home. They're, they're well familiar with Waterford after last season and met them over two legs in the semi-final. Um, lost out despite a valiant display in the second leg in, in the RSC in that game. Waterford are also, you know, hunting a win here, Noel. They've had a very patchy start to their league campaign. Two wins in five, two draws and a defeat. Uh, and obviously the defeat was to Galway as well. They're already seven points behind Galway in the table and even early doors. Uh, you know, that'll put a bit of pressure on them considering the, the expectation level. I always felt, Noel, after losing, you know, Phoenix Patterson, you know, you'd say, OK, that's one player of, of a potent front three you've lost. It's not the end of the world. But then when they lost Junior Caterna, maybe just about five days before the season, that was a real problem for them. And, and it seems to have been because they seem to be over-reliant as well on, on Wasimo Tria, who did start the season very well. But since then, obviously, the whole team has tailed off. Yeah, and how's your prediction for the title winners um, looking at the moment? I was hoping you wouldn't mention that, but look, it's early doors as well. <laughs> yeah, they'll have to raid Barnet or wherever they have to raid anyway in the winter to try and rescue Fleetwood, it. Fleetwood, Fleetwood, they'll have to be, read Fle raid Fleetwood. Yeah, yeah what, what, um, what really surprised me about the whole situation is, and you're right about losing those players and the big loss, but you know, when I looked at the first couple of team sheets, I, I, I noticed that the likes of uh, Niall O'Keefe wasn't playing, um, I think Shane Griffin didn't start and um, Sabawale as as well. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's one thing to be down two or three of last year's team, but they seem to me to be down about seven of last year's team. You know, so it, it it's probably no surprise that they haven't started maybe as well as they finished last season because it's a completely different side. And uh, that brings its own pressure. And I suppose there's kind of echoes of last year now as well. We've been around the place, you know, with, with, with the poor start with Ian Morris, I'm sure. Yeah. Danny Sardin is feeling a bit of pressure. I see he got sent off last week. Um, I think they were 2-0 up and it was 2-all. I know Shane Griffin hit the post very late on, you know, which would have maybe changed the whole mood there. But uh, certainly they won't be in great form coming here. And I suppose it isn't really the worst game in the world for 3D to have because P 
people will look at it and say, oh my God, you know, they have no chance there. But, you know, in fairness to Treaty, while they weren't great in the first half last week, they didn't concede. And then they got two goals, you know, they came into the game and got two goals. It was a bit like the Treaty of old, if you like. And, um, you know, bar the last 10 or 12 minutes, if they can galvanise themselves and have a real go on Friday night, I think they have a chance of um, of coming up with a shock. With a shock oh, really? result because certainly no one, yeah, well, well, certainly no one will be expecting it now. Hmm. Really hoping for that, Noel, aren't we? Because it has happened maybe in the past, particularly last season. I think three went on a bad run where they had a lot of draws, maybe a few, a uh, couple of defeats. Um, and then you know, there's a big performance there. That's what everyone will be hoping for. Now, look, we hope that there's a big enough crowd. Results suggest in Limerick that you know, the crowd might drop to 600 ish, considering uh, results in, in recent weeks. But hopefully, that won't be the case and the weather won't be as bad as it has been, which is always factors too to, to keep the crowd up. But, you know, you're just hoping, aren't you, Noel? Every week we're just hoping for that, you know, that big performance that, that restores the faith in, in the in the team as such. Yeah, look, and there's still a, a nucleus of a good team there and some of them are, are playing with a bit of form. Just need to get a few more over the line, if you like. And I suppose in terms of the crowd, I'm sure, Waterford will bring a decent crowd as well. I mean, their their support, certainly in the last 18 months, has been really good. Um, they'll have fond memories of, of the Marcus Field and they won't really have much of a work about going up there. Um, you know, it's 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 a game that if things go Treaty's way, and look, I suppose at, at some stage you're saying, you know, sooner or later that they're going to have to win a game anyway. And there's a different kind of pressure on Waterford that's on Treaty. And uh, I, I still would give them a really good chance. And I know that, you know, changes are, are limited, I suppose, in some ways. But in terms of the attack, Noel, would you stick with leading the line, Christopher playing off him and maybe having success and kind of bury either side? Yeah, I think certainly uh, three of the four. Um, I I wouldn't say that I just didn't notice him a lot in particularly in the first half, Stephen Christopher. Um, and he was hardly mentioned on commentary. I know there was, seemed to be a bit of an error in the starting eleven. In 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 oh, yeah. in terms of the eleven that was put up on the Treaty Facebook page and the one that was on the screen, uh, they seemed to say that it was Willie Armshaw was starting, but it was apparent that that he wasn't there. But it wasn't easy to see Stephen Christopher. Todd's success did particularly well. Todd Connor Barry played as well, played well too, and obviously ended with his two goals. Um, look, it's probably defensive stuff that they need to galvanise, whether it's a lack of confidence or, you know, they're just missing maybe the leadership of Mark Ludden or someone someone to talk back there. I think it's going to be very important. But if they can just get over that kind of mental block they have at the moment in terms of conceding goals and kind of soft goals and, again, stay in the game and certainly try and keep it, uh, a clean sheet for as long as they can, um, it'd probably be more uh, as well the same team. You know, if we look at a change at left full and even if he does bring in Darnawanko, in general, when you bring a guy in for his first game, he's generally very, very good. It's often, you know, the second or third game maybe that, yeah, that things don't work out as well as we hope. So I wouldn't re, I wouldn't be particularly worried about whoever goes in there on Friday night. Um, certainly, we might have to revise that after a couple of weeks, but um, whoever goes in there, I'm sure, will will we'll give a good account of themselves. Well, that without drawing too much attention to it, and all that's a, a talking point as well, isn't it? The centre back. Uh, relationship or combination um, Anthony O'Donnell and Andy Spain um, because I know in the first game of the season Ben O'Reardon I think Andy Spain was out with concussion I, I'm not fully sure but Ben O'Reardon partnered Anthony O'Donnell at centre back now to be fair I you know 
They obviously, you know, I don't think they created an awful lot in the night. I thought the two boys looked relatively comfortable and they are familiar with each other from Cove Ramblers, I think, um, anyway, before. But um, then obviously Ben Reardon was changed back to right full and I know you've, you've had your reservations about putting him out there in the past. I was just wondering, you know, do you see a, a situation where Ben Reardon could partner Anthony O'Donnell and, and that might improve things um, oh, without being maybe too harsh on Andy Spain? It just, it, I don't know, you're just searching, aren't you, for answers? I'm sure Tommy Barrett and his uh, management team are searching for answers for the last few couple of weeks. Yeah, would have mentioned it last week as well in terms of, you know, he's only finding his way in the game as well. He's not very experienced. You know, it's a place where it, it can be difficult playing playing young players. It's kind of back to my point about maybe giving a guy a bit of experience as a fullback before before you put him in there. I think I mentioned last week that he mightn't have been a bad shout at, at, at right back and maybe Mark Walsh in the middle. You know, even the substitution there against Cove where Mark Walsh came off and Andy Spain was left on, I thought was probably not the right thing to do at that stage when they need, you know, as much experience as they could on the pitch. So I think there is an option maybe to have a look at Andy Spain right back from the point of view that there's no one tearing up trees as 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 the right back. And maybe he, he just might might click there. And you do have the option to play Ben O'Reardon there or Mark Walsh there, I think. And I think both of those would probably be more kind of a, if you like, a more meaner, tougher pair which is really where a lot of the rocks of Treaty's victories came in the last few years with the likes of Shane Gearns back there and Anto Donald and Mark Walsh there, you know, where they didn't stand in ceremony and they didn't try to play or whatever. They just were really good old-fashioned defenders, if you like, that won every header, won every tackle and just cleared their lines. Absolutely, and it will be a very intriguing a tie on Friday night between Treaty United and Waterford. And of course, there'll be other games like Sabre hosting Wexford, Galway hosting Longford, Finn Harps hosting Cove and Kerry at home at Montauk Park in St. Lawrence. So there'll be plenty uh, to discuss. Noel, we won't have too much time for that, Noel, because we have plenty to discuss before we'll meet again next week. Um, Ireland, Republic of Ireland are facing Lafayette, obviously, in a friendly tomorrow night before the big one next Monday, Noel. Um, I know I, I'd be a regular enough listener to, to off the ball uh, and loose talk, Noel. And uh, they talk a, a lot about the, the hype train and a player you'd know well in the past, Barry Ferguson and his son, Evan Ferguson, has got a lot of plaudits, obviously, uh, for his start uh, with Brighton. You know, the, the, I suppose the cynic, I suppose, or the pessimist in me is screaming, don't put too much pressure like the English people would normally do and the English media would on players. Um, but it seems like some people have, have lost their themselves. but he seems to be the, the great white hope uh, going in, Noel, and we're going to beat France 3-0. Well, listen, we might take 2-0. But uh, <laughs> look, isn't it great that we have someone to talk to? Like, And he certainly is, look, he's looks a fantastic player. He plays so well, he's very intelligent. You know, he's physically so, you know, so big, really, for, you know, for a guy so young. And uh, it's understandable that people are getting excited about it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's the number one sport in the country and everyone, you know, will be tuned in this week. And um, the fact that he's scoring goals in the Premier League, you know, with kind of a, a regularity now, which, you know, we haven't seen in, in, in a good few years. And, uh, you know, in fairness to that team, there's a lot of players that have, you know, have come in. It looks, you know, a, a lot stronger than it was two or three years ago. Um, France are coming over. There's obviously always a bit of hassle in the camp there. I see there was talk about Griezmann leaving the camp because he wasn't made captain. And, uh, you oh, know, there's been a few, 
there's always some of the French, a couple of retirements as well. And, you know, it'll be the, their first competitive game since the World Cup. And uh, I remember Ireland having having some good wins against teams like that. I remember when Croatia finished third in the World uh, Cup, I think we played them in Lansdowne Road and beat them 2-0 in, in the next qualifying group. So, um, look, we, we obviously hope, hoping against hope. Um, I'm sure if they don't lose the game, it'll be seen as a good result. And look, we'll, we'll probably take that today. Absolutely. I mean, Noel, I think we discussed it at the time when, when the group was was announced, but you know, an incredibly tough group. I know France are playing Holland actually on Thursday night um, in the in their first game in it. But it's not just that, Noel, isn't it? You know, you, you look at it like France and Holland, who, you know, are notably better than Ireland. The problem we have is that Greece are not far uh, inferior to us either, and they were the seed below us. So that, that's where the real trouble comes in as well, isn't it? Yeah, and that's and they're the games that really trouble us, aren't they? Like it's mm-hmm. it, you know they won't have any trouble getting up for the for the particularly at home the French and the Dutch games, but it's the likes of the matches against Greece where they have to go out maybe and dominate the game and kind of make it happen. Um, are always the ones that cause us trouble. But look, there'll be so many twists and turns in this group. I think the most important thing is that. Ireland are in touch, you know, points wise that they're in touch, you know, as, as far into the group as is as as is possible. I think that's that's very, very important. We can be a, a, a fickle, I suppose, and and cutthroat soccer nation at time, Noel, when when we put our minds to it. But you know, in terms of Stephen Stephen Kenny's tenure, uh, do you foresee a situation where uh, you know, Stephen Kenny obviously doesn't beat France. Look, it's unlikely that, that Ireland will beat them or even draw with them, considering the quality that they have. When you look at the fact that they have so many retirees and other things, and still have a lot of quality. But do you foresee a situation where you know, if he doesn't maybe get a win, maybe in the first three games, that you know, the the hammering for for Kenny out again? I think there's no doubt about that. If they don't get a win in the first three games, but you know, it's something probably that you don't want to speculate on just yet. Um, I think that. I think they'll, you know, that they could surprise us. I mean, Ireland are always at their best when they're written off. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of big results in the in the Aviv and Lansdowne Road in the last twenty or twenty five years. It's a new group. I'm sure the players are, you know, they're they're kind of getting to that stage now where they've maybe twelve or fifteen or twenty games played, and they'll be a lot better than they were, you know, a couple of years ago. And uh, I I wouldn't be without hope about Monday night. That has all been building up to this qualification campaign. That's always been the talk under Stephen Kenny. So we do hope it goes well for him and, and the Irish players. Uh, so we'll be sporting 3D and Ireland this week. I'm up, it'll be a busy week. And we hope you can join us next week on the Soccer Scene seventh episode, where we'll be discussing uh, plenty of, of results around the League of Ireland and, of course, the Republic of Ireland again. So thank you for joining us.